My name is Neil Bowles and I'm in the Department of Physics at the University of Oxford. This is the research behind musical abstracts. What is a musical abstract? Well, we challenged five researchers to work with songwriter Johnny Berliner and turn their research into song. For more, go to the What's On section of curiositycarnival.org. So really the, the idea behind the song is to try and explain some of the science that we want to do with a mission that uh, NASA are flying to Mars next year called InSight. InSight is a, a strange sort of a mission. It's not like the sort of Mars missions that you might be familiar with recently where they sort of do a big dramatic landing and then this rover thing pops out. InSight's quite a lot different. InSight's a static lander, so it's going to land, stick out some legs, sit on the surface... And then once we get on the surface, it deploys some solar panels to keep it powered. And then we use a robotic arm to actually place very sensitive geophysics instruments onto the surface of the planet. And then we leave them there. So we won't be doing any roving around. And in fact, we really don't want the spacecraft moving at all. Because what we want to do is we want to sit and listen to the interior of the planet effectively. We're going to put one of the instruments we want to put down is a thing called a seismometer. And a seismometer is an instrument you might have heard about for Earth because it's used for measuring earthquakes. Essentially, they are little, even very sensitive microphones or very sensitive accelerometers, the same sort of thing, really. And what you use them for is you use them for measuring the way the ground is moving up and down. And we use them for detecting earthquakes, measuring earthquakes, and also other things like um, nuclear bomb tests. But what we also use earthquakes for on a home is we use them for understanding the interior structure of the planet because when an earthquake goes off if you like if you can imagine that it's sort of it's normally there are things like you know bits of the earth's crust rubbing against each other for a better expression and when they sort of shear because they just give way they release an earthquake release the energy that's been stored up now that energy then gets transmitted through the crust and by measuring how that energy bounces around inside the earth we can determine an awful lot about the interior structure of the planet if you talk to a proper seismologist, I'm a physicist, I'm not a proper seismologist, then what they can do is they can take that information and they can synthesize it essentially into an, a picture of what the inside of a planet looks like. All of our understanding about, you know, sort of inner core, outer core, mantle and the strength and structure of the crust, a lot of that information comes from seismology on the Earth. And that tells us a great deal about how the Earth formed, why it is the way it is, and things like, you know, the magnetic field and all that kind of stuff. We need that kind of information to understand what's going on inside the planet. So what we'd really like to do is we'd really like to be able to do that for other places in the solar system, because that way we can get the same sorts of information about the inside of the planet. We've done it a bit for the moon. The Apollo astronauts took seismometers to the moon and placed them on the surface of the moon. So we had a small network of seismometers, and they actually measured quite a few different types of moonquakes. But the data is still a bit ambiguous, the way it tells us about the interior of the planet. But the first thing you've got to understand is, are there any quakes at all to see? And then what information can that give you? So we do see evidence um, for ground shaking and ground movement. So you can see linear kind of faults on the surface of Mars. There are faulted regions. And by using very high resolution imagery from cameras, you can see how boulders have rolled down the edges. And because the winds on Mars, the atmospheric pressure on Mars is very low. So the difference in atmospheric pressure is such that you don't get that kind of uh, aggressive thing. There's no plate tectonics on Mars, but you would expect the planet still to be cooling down and shrinking. And those, that shrinking process will cause the crust to shake and rupture and things like that at various points. But yeah, we do think there are Mars quakes. The problem we've got is that we have no kind of upper or lower bounds on where on the level of seismicity, the level of activity. 
Um, we can make estimates that we can see from shaking of boulders down uh, slopes, and we can make estimates based on what we know about the structures of Mars and the strength of the crust and all that kind of thing. But really, we don't know. I suppose quakes on Mars are probably going to be similar, though I'm sticking my neck out here quite a lot because we, we really like this is one of the reasons we want to go to the planet and do the measurements. But it's a bit like when we have small earthquakes in the UK. So in the UK, you occasionally get, you know, fault slippage and stuff like that, which sets off a small tremor. So it's really a big open question. And for Mars, we'd really, really like to know more about the internal structure and what that can tell us, because Mars is an odd sort of a planet in some ways. The Earth and Venus are two planets in the inner solar system. They're roughly the same size. But Mars is, you know, it's quite a lot smaller. It sort of sits between Moon and Earth in terms of sizes. And we'd really like to know why Mars is smaller. We have some ideas that come about from the sort of formation of the solar system. It's typical science. We have some ideas about how things work. You know, we, we, we have a question, we look at what's out there in the solar system and go, why are, you know, something basic like, why is Earth and Venus the size they are? And why is Mars a bit smaller? What's going on there? And then we have some ideas related to how solar system formed, but we need the data to actually try and then constrain what's going on. So that's what we're really keen on, flying a seismometer to Mars. We've been trying to do it for a very large number of years. I mean, I first started working on this project in one form or another in the early 2000s. It, missions come, missions go, they, they come into life, they start working on them and they get cancelled for various reasons because it's a very difficult and high-risk business getting things into space and especially landing them on other planets. But we finally got there with the mission called InSight. I mean, to give you a sense of the sort of timescales, the principal investigator for our instrument is a gentleman by the name of Tom Pike, who's a professor of electronic engineering at Imperial College in London. Tom started working on these instruments all at least 20 years ago. Um, so I'm in some ways a relative newcomer in that I only started in the early 2000s working with uh, his group and our group here in Oxford to bring these the technologies together. Basically, Tom has developed a small type of seismometer because if you want to get something into space, it helps if it's small and light first, because anything that goes on a rocket is very, you know, it takes a lot of energy to get it out of, get it away from the Earth. Most seismometers are essentially things on a spring with a lot of complicated control electronics and mechanisms to then read out the forces very accurately. So they are traditionally big thing, big weights on springs, kind of like coiled, they have clever coiled spring arrangements and stuff. But Tom's is different. Tom, what Tom did is he turned his thing on a spring to a single piece of silicon which is then machined to give a spring and a mass using the same sort of techniques that we use for making silicon chips. And so what Tom did was he, he came up with the design and he then brings the device itself to Oxford where we then wrap it up in all the electronics that need to be connected to, put, those, put that together. We then test it here to make sure it's ready for space flight because if you think about it, you assemble something, you've got to test it can survive getting into space. So you've got to be able to make sure it can handle the big smacks of the rocket launching off the launch pad. You know, they're very violent events. You get, you know, it's not for nothing that you sit a good few miles away or a few kilometers away from a launch site because you've got the same sort of force of a small bomb going off somewhere or a fairly large bomb actually going off somewhere as the thing launches into space. And you get a very dramatic sense of the sort of rumble coming across. You see the thing go into the sky way before you get the rumble across the lagoon if you're at Cape Canaveral, for example, because there's so much energy involved. And so you're trying to take a very, very delicate instrument and make sure that can survive the space. Try and keep all the risk on the ground. 
that's the primary thing that's why we do so much testing and so much checking we only can use certain types of components you then got the extra complication of getting it onto the surface of mars so you've got the getting up in the air very quickly thing and then you've got to go the other way which is slowing down very quickly and that's very very complicated so we have to make sure that we can get both bits to work so what we do in Oxford is we test them, we do what's called qualification for them for space flight, and we make sure they can all then sit, stick together and then work. And we do a lot of low noise testing here. And these things are phenomenally sensitive. I mean, to give you a sense, we can measure down to sort of precisions of half a nano G, which is very low. But to give you a better sense of what that means, when the instruments are under test in our basement here in the physics department, we can actually see the bells ringing and making the towers move in the different churches around Oxford. That energy being transferred and then being passed through the ground, we can see that as a defined signal. Our little bit, you know, which is still very complicated, then gets, when we build and test it, we actually then send it to our colleagues at the French space agency called CNES, because it then gets bolted onto another instrument, which is another type of seismometer, and that's more of a traditional mass on a spring, coiled spring thing. That's designed for measuring much lower frequencies than ours. So it can measure things like the ground moving up and down due to the moon, the tides forced by one of the moons of Mars. And the moons of Mars are very small, so it's very, very tiny displacement, but their instrument is capable of measuring to that level of sensitivity. So that instrument, we stick that on there. That instrument's led by um, someone called Philippe Longuinet, Professor Philippe Longuinet. And then that instrument then gets shipped to the United States, where it gets bolted onto the spacecraft with the rest of the instruments that are going to go to Mars. And then finally, that goes to the launch site, which in this case is Vandenberg Air Force Base. And then in May, hopefully May next year, it should be May next year, when our launch window opens, we launch from Vandenberg. And then at the end of November 2018, we land on Mars. So we are working with NASA and with the French Space Agency, CNES, uh, and the UK portion that was funded by the UK Space Agency. So they've provided support for building the devices and getting them up there. And then once we actually get to Mars, we then deploy onto the surface and we sit, hopefully as still as possible, and we just listen for two years. And hopefully we'll hear the interior structure of the planet. Mars quakes. We're sending inside to find Mars quakes. And Mars is structure inside Mars quakes. They'll give us clues to what it once was like. We've also got other modules which are designed exactly the same way, other seismometers, but they are not built using flight hardware or electronics. So they're not designed to go into space, but they are the same device. We can then use those on Earth in order to characterize the performance of our sensors. There is the possibility of uh, you know, a meteorite impact. Essentially, you see a different shape depending on where the depth of the quake and the position of the quake and that kind of thing. So we can do simulations of what we think it should look like. And in fact, that's something else that um, our colleagues in Bristol have, have done. And also there's some colleagues in Earth Sciences who are interested in that area. Uh, you can do simulations, but until we get the data, we won't really know. After taking together all these ideas about, you know, traveling to Mars and the 20 year journey of people like Tom Pike to produce the sensor and all the effort that's been involved in us getting it onto the spacecraft and the, the work of all the international teams to get it there, I thought it would be nice to have a piece of music that kind of represented the, 
the ultimate serenity of it sitting on a Martian desert plain, waiting and listening for the uh, sort of events to occur and the data to roll in, you know, sort of like uh, the winds of Mars buffeting the spacecraft very, very gently, and then the sort of rumble of, uh, of, of the Martian surface. So I imagine this kind of semi-audio sort of soundscape thing, you know, it wouldn't be the same as being on Mars because the atmosphere is wrong and we don't hear things like that. But um, I thought I could imagine a sort of interpretation like that. Um, instead, uh, Johnny thought it sounded like a 1980s hair rock anthem. Uh, I think he really locked onto the Mars quake concept and some of the energy and involved in actually doing the do, doing the thing so we we actually moved from a basic idea of a sort of low ambient sort of soundscape to something quite different but i think it captures the essence of what we we're trying to do and i think you really the, the drama of the story actually is is probably a better way of telling it than um, my original idea which would have been great for an exhibition maybe but not so great for uh, performing in front of a lot of people Leaving us with mysteries Like how planets were formed And evolved over time Why are Earth and Venus larger than Mars has come to be? Mars has got volcanoes Why have they stopped erupting? What happened to its atmosphere? It's quiet geology Still unexplained Like its global magnetic field That disappeared Oh, maybe Mars is hiding answers we've been missing If we knew its structure inside The vibrations we hear On its surface when listening Help determine how we got here So come on, let's find Mars quakes We're sending insight to find Mars quakes Mars is structure inside Mars quakes They'll give us clues to what it once was like And if alien life could be hiding the shakes Mometers of silicon suspended on springs And less than an inch side to side And the movements they sense by resisting the swing Are shorter in length than an atom is wide And the ripples that come through the surface Will tell us the ways that the crust may have formed And the waves that we see that have come from the deep Tell us whether it's solid or not in the core Shakes we see will make history. Mars quake.